and Wilpa will call And even is night I hurry to my blue heaven You turn to the right You find a little bright light That leads you to my blue heaven Hello and welcome back to Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill Episode number 127 When we go back, back to, to the, the past, past. And read a comic book from the yesteryear of publishing. You can find us every Sunday on chrisandreggie.podbean.com or subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and by tuning into WGBS on your FM dial when Superman isn't flying overhead. Mm-hmm. He's known to make the radio go staticky these days, from what I understand. That's true. Uh, the issue we're going to read was suggested by Lord Andy of the Get Fresh Crew, a subscriber to the Weird Science DC Comics dot com podcast. I don't have any other uh, contact information for you, Andy. So let's uh, tell him what the issue is. Absolutely. We're going to be reading Superman, Volume 2, number 123. This comes at us with a May 1997 cover date, and it is called Superman, dot, 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 Reborn. Stories by Dan Jurgens, art by Ron Friends and Joe Rubenstein. Lettered by John Costanza, colors by Glenn Whitmore, with separations by a Digital Chameleon. Cover is also by Friends. We got an associate editor of Mike McAvenini, or McAvenini. McAvenini, I'm going to say, all right. McAvenini, yes, I think I put a couple of extra slobbles in there. Uh, we have an editor of Joey Cavalieri and an executive editor of Mike Carlin. This, of course, came out through T- DC Comics with a cover price of $1.95 USD and $2.75 can. And let's meet our creative team. Starting with Dan Jurgens, born June 27, 1959 in Ortonville, Minnesota. The first comic book Dan bought with his own money was Superman issue number 189 that had an August 1966 cover date. He says that he went to the store looking for a Batman comic, but they were out. Of this, he recalls, of course, this was in the midst of the Batman TV craze and the wonderful DC go-go checks era. Yeah, doubtlessly, that's why he wanted to get a Batman comic himself, I bet. And probably why they were all sold out. Exactly. (laughs) It was a hot ticket at the time. Uh, Dan graduated from Minneapolis College of Art and Design in 1981, and his first professional comic work was for DC Comics, penciling The Warlord number 63 with a November 1982 cover date. He was hired due to a recommendation of Warlord creator Mike Grell, who was impressed by Jerkins' work after being shown his portfolio at a convention. And just as an aside, he did write this issue, but he's a very accomplished uh, penciler and uh, artist. Uh, That's where he got his start and still does it today, so... Uh, in 1984, Jerkins was the artist for the Sun Devils Maxi series that had July 1984 to June 1985 cover dates with writers Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas. He began scripting from Conway's plots with number 8, February 1985, and fully took over the writing duties on the title with number 10 at an April 1985 cover date. In the same year, Jurgens created the character Booster Gold. He first appeared in Booster Gold number 1, February 1986 cover. His first work on Superman was as penciler for the Adventures of Superman Annual Number 1 in 1987, and then the next year, Jurgens provided pencil art for the Dead Man short stories 
which were written by Mike, Mike Barron in the short-lived anthology Action Comics Weekly from issues 601 to 612. I don't know why we call that a short-lived anthology here, Chris, right? That was a, that was a, a full year. <laughs> it of, almost made it a year. Yeah. Jam-packed. I mean, if we talk about content, there's plenty plenty long for an anthology. I'm going to change that from now on, yeah. There we in go. In the plenty long. There you go. Uh, Jurgens <laughs> had a run as artist of Great Arrow with writer Mike Grell from 1988 to 1990, and in 1989, he began working full time on the Superman character when he took over the writing penciling of the monthly uh, The Adventures of Superman title. He was penciler of the 1991 limited series Armageddon 2001 and co-created the hero Wave Rider with Archie Go- uh, Goodwin. Jurgens helped writer Louise Simonson and artist John Bogdanov launch a new Superman title, Superman the Man of Steel, in, 19- in July 1991. And Dan assumed the writing penciling of the main Superman comic book, with issue number 57, July 1991. Like he just keeps moving up the ranks of Superman, you know? Like Absolutely. This is a totally organic, obviously, where he wants to be, and he just keeps, uh, you know, wherever he can get in. Uh, he created a supporting hero named Agent Liberty in issue number 60, that in October 1991 cover date. And just a little while after that, he orchestrated the Death of Superman storyline involving his newly created characters, the Cyborg Superman, and of course, Doomsday. Cyborg Superman would debut as Hank Henshaw in Adventures of Superman issue 466, May 1990 cover. He came back as the Cyborg Superman in Adventures of Superman number 500, June 1993 cover. Jurgens wrote and drew Justice League America, issues 61 through 77. That's April 1992 through July 1993 cover dates. He penciled a four-issue Metal Men series uh, in 1993 as well. I believe uh, the editor of this, Mike Carlin, wrote that uh, miniseries. Oh, yeah? All right. Yeah. Uh, Jurgens wrote and penciled the crossover Crisis. uh, It's like a crisis series called Zero Hour, Mm -hmm. Crisis in Time. (laughs) And he also wrote uh, (laughs) Superman Doomsday Hunter Prey miniseries. Those are both in 1994. Wow. Jurgens scripted and provided layout art for the Superman vs. Aliens miniseries, which was co- uh, co-published through uh, Dark Horse and DC in 1995. And then also in 1995, Jurgens would give up the art duties on Superman, but he would remain on uh, writing. Yeah. Uh, though in 1966, no, 1966, <laughs> he contributed to the Superman wedding album. This is an issue of Superman dedicated to the wedding of Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Uh, most notably, he contributed a three-page spread of the ceremony which was inked by Jerry Ordway, another longtime veteran of the Superman Absolutely, books. Absolutely, yeah, sure. And uh, clearly he was still writing for Superman, as evidenced by the issue <laughs> we're going to read in just a little while. That's right. He must have been writing it because he wrote this one. So <laughs> uh, Now, of course, we go across the table to Ronald Wade Friends. He was born February 1st, 1960. Uh, his birthday is coming up soon, folks, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He began working for Marvel Comics. In fact, when you hear the episode, it will have passed, I think. It already passed. Uh, He began working for Marvel Comics in the early 1980s. His first credited story was published in Kazar the Savage, number 16, July 1982, cover date, written by Bruce Jones. Friends' early work includes such titles as Kazar the Savage, Star Wars, The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones, and Marvel Saga. He became the regular artist on The Amazing Spider-Man in 1984, and the stories he penciled included The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man in issue number 248, January 1984, cover date, written by Roger Stern, and the first appearance of Spider-Man's black costume in issue number 252, May 1984, cover date, written by Tom DeFalco and Roger Stern. 
Among the new characters introduced during the, his run were the Puma in issue 256, September 1984 cover, and Silver Sable in issue 265, that of the June 1985 cover. Uh, Friends in DeFalco revealed that the black suit was an alien creature in issue 258, November 1984, and that was a month before Peter Parker acquired the suit in Secret Wars number (laughs) 8. Comic comic book time can be fun, folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Friends, actually, that was really well done. That was probably the best part. It was. was To reveal the suit and then for that to come later. But anyway... uh, Fred's drew the Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 18, 1984 uh, year, a story written by Stan Lee, which featured the wedding of Spider-Man supporting characters J. Jonah Jameson and Marla Madison. He was intended to be a short-term fill-in for John Romita Jr., but he worked so well with series writer Tom DeFalco that he wound up staying on. In 2009, Ron told Back Issue Magazine, he says, Initially, I was hired to do only six issues while Romita Jr. went off to get X-Men up and running. And he was supposed to come back and do both X-Men and The Amazing Spider-Man. And six issues in, I found out from editor Danny Fingeroth that JR had come into the office and said he'd seen the stuff that Tom and I were doing. And Danny said, Yeah, I'm really happy with what they're doing. And JR said, You are, aren't you? And Danny said, Yeah, I think they're doing they're really gelling as a team. And JR said, If you're really happy with these guys, give it to them. And the first time I met JR, I thanked him for my run on Spider-Man. Yeah, I'd like to think that was a pleasant exchange. There's still a couple of ways that so. could be read, but it sounds like it was pleasant. That's <laughs> nice. Uh, Jim Owsley, editor of the Spider-Man titles at the time, has noted that Friends was passionate about Spider-Man, verging on fanatical. In 1986, Friends and DeFalco were, remo- were removed from The Amazing Spider-Man by Owsley. He said that they had chronically failed to meet deadlines, while DeFalco and Friends both state they met their deadlines more gil- diligently than any other Marvel creative team at the time, and that Owsley caused them to miss deadlines by repeatedly changing his production schedules. Whatever the case, issue 285, February 1987, cover date, was the final one for DeFalco and Friends. Friends and DeFalco became the creative team, though, right away on Thor in 1987, beginning with issue number 383 that had a September cover date. They introduced the Eric Masterson character in Thor number 391, May 1988 cover date, Eric Masterson later became the superhero known as Thunderstrike and received his own series by DeFalco and Friends in 1993, debuting with a June cover date that had 24 issues. Friends and DeFalco's run on Thor ended in 1993, right at the same time with number 459, (laughs) February cover date. It's funny how that happens, I think. Isn't it? Uh, In 1995, (laughs) Friends moved to DC Comics and became the artist on Superman. The following year, he was one of the many creators who contributed to that Superman wedding album one-shot that Dan Jurgens was also part of, and just after that, he drew the issue that we're going to read in just a couple of minutes. Even all these years later, it's still weird to see Ron Friends on a DC book. It is, uh, you know, and it's like we're 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 literally reading one now, like, and it's still, yeah. weird, you know what I mean? Like, it's still weird. the evidence is right here, <laughs> you know, but it's still funny to me. Yeah, yeah, he's so, he's so uh, right there with Marvel that I, it's hard to it's see him anywhere all those else. Core characters and that long, that long run on on Spider Man, he's just for sure, totally associated for sure. And, with that. And his association with the Falco, it's it's, it's interesting. Yeah. 
Now, uh, now, how did we get to the issue we're going to discuss? So let's talk a little bit about the triangle numbering era here. This is four titles coming out every month, forming a cohesive weekly story. You'd have Superman, the Man of Steel, which would go into Superman Volume 2, which would go into the Adventures of Superman, which would go into Action Comics, and then the cycle would continue. Now, in the long view, you could, you could take this all the way back to Superman's reboot following Crisis on Infinite Earths, since uh, none of this would have happened to the character. Yeah, or maybe he would have become pure electricity in the Silver Age, but only for a day so he could prank Lois Lane into wearing a lightning rod or something. Like, that's, you know, Probably. that wouldn't have been yeah. like a long term uh, situation. <laughs> in Superman Volume 2, number 107, with a December 1995 cover date, the story bottled up by Dan Jerkins and Ron Friends, we meet the evil space wizard Tolos. Tolos tries to siphon off Superman's energy, but Supes threatens to destroy a bottled city in Tolos's workshop, so he relents. This is during the events of the DC Comics event Underworld Unleashed, though it's related only in that we see Neron and company stuck in a snow globe while this issue is going on. Yeah, this is a this is what they call a snow globe crossover, right? Yes, exactly. Not, not a Red Skies crossover. No, just a, a snow globe. Snow globe exactly. crossover. <laughs> now, uh, Kal-El lives out the following year relatively normally. Well, he does get married to Lois Lane, of course, in Superman <laughs> the Wedding Album. That's a December 1996 cover date, written and drawn by... Many. Yeah. Uh, not too long after his wedding, Superman disappears for a while, and has Lois and a bunch of lesser-known Metropolis characters looking far and wide. Little did they know he was locked in a casket by Craven the Hunter. Uh, wrong post-wedding story. Wrong publisher. Oh, Sorry. Oh, yeah, that's oh, a oh, oh. Okay. 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 Uh, it, now in Superman Volume Two, Number One Twenty Two, April Nineteen Ninety Seven, Cover Date: The Story, The Candor Connection by Dan Jurgens and Ron Friends. This is a fellow from Candor that is now that bottled city that Tolos has, that's that's what Kandor is, uh, gets a mind to escape his prison and succeeds, but proximity to the quote-unquote bottled city away from normal rays clo- causes Clark to go all wacky because it's in, like, another dimension. Hmm. So this is where it starts messing with his powers for some reason. Yes, uh, things would continue in Adventures of Superman, issue number 545, and all of these have the same cover date there. You know, there were four books a month. Yeah. Uh, stories called Power Crisis by Carl Kiesel and Scott Eaton. Superman learns that he is now intangible. He also can't use his x-ray vision, and uh, most hilariously of all, he, <laughs> he automatically downloads computer files and information just by being near them. I love it. <laughs> it, it, it was the 90s, and yeah. uh, I don't think we I think don't think don't we knew a whole lot about uh, peer-to-peer at that point. Right out of the um, net, that. I'll tell you, I love it. <laughs> he also can't be too close to a toaster, apparently, but uh, computers, you know, they don't explode when he's around, so it's all right. Uh, Superman can also turn off his powers and become Clark Kent, who is now a totally vulnerable human being. Mm, which was an interesting, probably what I thought would be the most interesting development, but... Uh, For sure. That didn't really get explored as much as I might have liked. Uh, in Action Comics number 372, the titled The Saving Skull by David Michelini and Tom Grummet, Superman battles the atomic skull, mostly to show off his new powers. Uh, he has trouble keeping himself together, though by the end he goes like full Super Saiyan with white hair mm. and everything. Uh, we also learn in that issue that he can absorb energy. Indeed. And then in Superman, the Man of Steel, issue 66, 
title The Shield by Louise Simons, Simonson and John Bogdanoff. We don't learn anything too new about these powers. Uh, actually, the Daily Planet runs a puff piece on uh, Superman where, uh, where while Raj, Rajiv Naga, who antagonized Clark and Lois during their honeymoon, menaces Metropolis from a satellite. That's, that must be a name that I've read a hundred times, but... Just, Never had uh, to say exactly, loud. like, oh, yeah. wait a second, yeah, I know. <laughs> maybe not a hundred times, maybe it doesn't. But, uh, <laughs> now, it's here that Superman uses his power to sense trails of radiation and radio waves and stuff that emanates from many things, like satellites. Maybe. Superman takes down the satellite with some zappy powers. And then it's Superman Volume 2, number 123, the issue we're reading today. So the cover is just Superman Blue against a black cover. That's what we're going to call him, Superman Blue. Mm. That's technically the, uh, I believe, the, uh, you know, accepted name. The, yeah, the Electric Blue, yeah. Or Electric electric Superman. That's what I used to call him, but now, you know, through through the uh, digging through research, I saw it was just more commonly Superman Blue. Uh, mm. Whatever it is, though, it's just him against a black cover, and uh, there's that new sharper-looking logo, which includes a new zigzag S-shield. That also mirrors the, the one on his chest. If you don't know what this Superman looks like, he's all blue and white and crackles with electricity. Uh, his hair is outside of his headpiece. That's part of it. There are really yeah. there are plenty of images to see online of this getup, and you know we'll stick a couple in the uh, on the blog site so you can take a look. Including one that glows in the dark. That's right. Well, that was the super mm-hmm. special one. <laughs> now, uh, above the series logo reads, Ready for the next century. We were all very happy about the year 2000 coming. <laughs> and, uh, we all, yep. And we were making Superman Y2K compliant here. <laughs> uh, and that's it, except for creator credits, of course, and the usual issue information. It is something that the new costume is revealed right on the cover, though. I mean... They didn't. I remember when Batman got a new costume, there was like weeks and weeks of buildup where like just a little bit more of it would be revealed on the cover. But this, right out there, right in our faces. Yeah. Um, And in this case, though, it does make sense. Uh, The new costume should interest the reader to find out, you know, what it's all about. If you go back to, uh, like we mentioned earlier, Amazing Spider-Man number 252, May 1984, cover date, Ron Friends and Klaus Janssen have illustrated the black Spidey suit right there on the cover, and it only raises more questions. Yeah, but then there are costume reveals like Detective Comics 327 with a May 1964 cover date when Carmen Infantino revealed the new look Batman, which looked very similar to the old look Batman, just drawn better, basically. That was really... <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they put the oval behind the bat thing, but it was like, here's a guy that can actually draw. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, and Harriet hemmed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, so our story begins with Lois Lane in traffic, and worse, she is in a hurry. She talks to Professor Hamilton at Star Labs on her car phone, which still would have been pretty cool in 1997. Indeed. Lois Lane honks the horn of her red Corvette. She says, move. I'm in a hurry here. To which email Hamilton says, what was that you said, Lois? Sorry, Professor Hamilton, but this traffic is making me crazy. Superman needs your help. If he can escape that creature that's trying to kill him, I'm sure he'll come to you. Uh, Lois, having a conversation with a coffee shop barrister does not mean Clark is being attacked by a creature, okay? Dial it back. He's got all those piercings on his face. (laughs) (laughs) Ever since Superman's powers went wacko, I've been expecting this. Dr. Faulkner and I have the Star Labs facility on high alert. All Superman has to do is get here. Now, in this panel, we see the interior of Star Labs, or 
you know, part of them at least. It's pretty much what you would expect from a comic book lab, computer laboratory, just like <laughs> equipment everywhere, and it's all very high tech. Uh, Dr. Faulkner's in the background. She appears to be diagramming circuits while looking through a huge magnifying glass. This place is so sciencey that Professor Hamilton has a pair of futuristic goggles on his forehead. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. <laughs> now, while driving to the scene, Lois lets her mind wander a bit. Uh, normally, we wouldn't condone this, but it does provide some important story information for us. Yeah, she thinks to herself, I wanted a calm start to our marriage, but for the last few days, our lives have turned totally upside down. Well, just uh, take a minute and sit right there, and you can tell us all about how you became a princess of Bel-Air. <laughs> huh? Clark's power change is the cause. We first noticed it when some bullets, which normally bounce off him, passed through his body and wounded an innocent bystander. She makes it sound like it was the bullet's fault. I mean, really. Frankly, I think that's on Superman a little bit. And and the person that fired the bullets, too, yes. Maybe. From there, it went worse. His powers kept changing. As the change progressed, his control lessened. He was becoming some kind of energy being, unable to control his new abilities. Though I'm sure if these new powers like made him stay up all night and clean the oven and the windows, she'd probably be fine with it. I know my wife would, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that lack of control has made him more vulnerable than ever. At the, sta- at the very time, an incredibly powerful monster attacked him. This whole page is a montage of the stuff that Lois is thinking about, and this is the first time that we see the, this creature that's attacked Superman. Now, he looks kind of like Blue Devil's grandfather, a demonic type with with uh, white hair, uh, blue skin, and horns protruding from his head and chin, which might be hard to uh, shave, right? Yeah, I bet. Uh, now, his chin is also protruding as well, come to think of it. He might be related uh, to Hellboy if you look at him, too. I'm not sure. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> now, uh, Lois honks again as she approaches the highway exit for Swan Boulevard. Come on! I have a Superman to save! And now, the title splash page. And it's here that we learn the story is titled, Superman, dot dot dot, Reborn. And Superman is standing in a big pile of rubble, and I mean, really, it's a lot of rubble. There's like a couple of traffic lights in there, half a destroyed (laughs) neon sign. Uh, Bolts of energy course from his every appendage. It's tough to say if Superman's in pain or just being very metal, uh, but his coloring looks a little washed out here, too. Yes, he shouts to everyone, No! Stay back! While most civilians flee the scene, some of Superman's buddies rush to his aid. We got Jimmy Olsen, Bibbo, and uh, Angela the Camera Woman. Yeah, Superman and Angela aren't friends, technically, but I'm sure they have warm feelings for each Sure, yeah, they're they're okay. Uh, Jimmy says, Angie, you getting this on camera? Superman looks like he's seeping out of existence or something. I can't, Jimmy. Superman's surge or whatever it is caused every electronic electrical device around to short circuit. Then uh, why are you still holding, the, carrying the camera on your shoulder? It I, seems dangerous, right? And heavy. Well, what he was, what's going also on? Also heavy, <laughs> heavy and useless and dangerous. It's a, it's a triple threat there. Yeah. Uh, Bibbo's around, then he goes, "Holy Toledo, we got to help Superman." Uh, Superman seems racked with pain as his body is dissipating. A montage of his anguish is the backdrop for this exposition. As he thinks to himself, my eyes are useless, but I can hear Jimmy. The last thing I want is for him to get hurt helping me. He'd rather they get hurt doing something funny like cleaning the gutters or playing catch with a child. That's the way. That's always funny. Yeah. (laughs) My vision's a mess. Can't see anything. At least not anything I recognize. 
Just a kaleidoscope of colors and electrical impulses. Uh, we get to see kind of what Superman sees. Looks like the backdrop to the opening credits of Saved by the Bell uh, without uh-huh. without as many sprinkles in it, I would say. It's true. That's a very, very good way to describe <laughs> it. Uh, he continues to think, Wait, maybe the nature of my sight is changing along with my powers. Uh, you think, Superman? Uh, you know, this probably isn't cataracts, you know what I mean? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> if I concentrate hard enough, think Differently about how I comprehend things, I'll be able to see. And that's how Superman stopped being racist. Props to him. The end. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the colorful shapes that Soup sees coalesce into something vaguely human. Yes, it works. Some Jimmy, no! It's old Blue Jaw, and he punches Superman so hard it goes crack a boom! And his body, Superman's body, goes flying into a large electric sign that's on top of the building, making an energy burst that sounds like spraz. Down on the street, Superman's friends are worried. Angie seems pretty concerned, too. Yeah, Jimmy says, oh, wow, I think Superman's hurt pretty bad. To which Bibbo goes, that horned freako must really have some beef against Superman to go after him like this. Superman's still smashed against that sign. Looks like he's getting electrocuted. Ah, feels like I'm absorbing the electricity from this sign. I'm not sure what's happening, but suddenly I really want a soda cola. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, they, they, they brought the original recipe back. Oh, great! <laughs> uh, now the uh, blue monster now sets his sights on the only other living people in the vicinity, which are Jimmy Olsen and Bibbo Bibbo Bibbuski. <laughs> Easy for me to say. There is a name I read a million times. Now. <laughs> Never said out loud. Uh, now, Angela is there, too, and she's still carrying that camera on her shoulder. You can put it down now, Angela. We're not doing the news anymore, okay? Like, like... Yeah, you, Your supervisor ain't going to drive by and be like, hey, why are you holding the camera? <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't know his name, but he's coming after us now. Why, well, I'll rip the horn right out of his head. From above, Superman sees his friends in danger and resolves to do something. His S-shaped forelock turns white as he charges up, or something happens. I'm not mm. sure. Have to do the same thing I did. Have to do the same thing I did to see. Concentrate harder than ever before. Pull myself together in order to save Jimmy. And if Bibbo and Angie happen to get saved at the same time, that's cool too. That's fine. Sure. Uh, Superman flies fist forward at the creature. He looks like pure blue energy now, just a crackling aura from the waist down. Caption reads, An instant, the blink of an eye, a microsecond. Suddenly, the passage of time, those terms declare are like hours to Superman. Faster than light, faster than lightning, though instinct alone, a blast of fierce, surging energy is fired that strikes, ending the confrontation. Superman flies faster and faster, turning into a bolt of blue lightning with a head, which is pretty hilarious to look at. Yeah, it looks ridiculous. Uh, He (laughs) socks the monster in the face and sends him flying into the harbor. How did I? What am I? I'll find the creature again after I get help. Now we cut over to Lex Luthor's office, and he's standing in a room where the walls are all televisions, and all of them are tuned into the same thing, WGBS News. This is like an art installation I saw in college. Yeah, I remember that room stunk. Yeah, it stinks. It's Jimmy Olsen reporting live where a formidable monster known as Scorn. Known to whom, exactly? Hey, you just said you didn't know his name. Suddenly he, no. he didn't introduce himself. Did he, did he miss a scene? I don't know. What, what happened? Did he hand out his business card? <laughs> 
has just battled Superman himself to a standstill. The real story, though, is Superman's bizarre change of appearance. Rather than a man of steel, it seems Metropolis' greatest benefactor is a man of energy. Oh, come to think of it, and being technical here, he was never actually a man of steel, right? Yeah. Just a, a man made of Kryptonian flesh and blood, yeah, right? I mean, steel would be closer to something made of... I and mean, even he's not made of steel, but, you know. No, no, no. His mere presence has caused electrical shorts due to power surges all over the city, causing all of us to resort to backup systems. And you say this is your city's greatest benefactor? Yeah, well, look at the next greatest one right here. Yes, Lex Luthor, who goes, Indeed, a most unexpected development for the alien. A woman with short hair and a large coat enters the room. This is Contessa Erica Alexandra Del Portenza, who's better known as the Contessa. And she has a controlling stick in LexCorp, and uh, she is also secretly married to Lex Luthor. She says, Lex, you're finally home. Indeed. Miss Fane, efficient attorney that she is, made sure that I spent little time constrained in the local judicial system. A caption here references Superman, Man of Tomorrow, number 8, March 1997, cover date, where, uh, uh, we guess Lex got sprung from jail, from the looks of it, I guess. I <laughs> and Man of Tomorrow was the quarterly title that came out on the fifth weeks, to uh... Make sure that... We did get a Superman book every single week. Uh, Lex continues. The solution to the alien's dilemma could be solved as quickly. I doubt those simpletons at Star will be able to do so. Could you do so, my husband? Easily. As always, the question is this. Do I gain more from Superman's suffering or his salvation? Or maybe he can trade some salvation now for more suffering later. Uh, he's, mm, uh, he's obviously got a crunch. A lot of numbers. ways we do this. Yeah, he's got to look yeah. at this. Uh, speaking of Star Labs, Lois Lane is there now waiting for Superman. Yeah, we can see her sweet ride there right there in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Superman hasn't been seen downtown for quite a while. Maybe he's on his way. By Godfrey, I hope so. Unless he's turning to someone else for assistance. He's coming here. Count on it. Clark has worked Lois's last nerve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't know you knew him that well, Miss Lane. What, you never read Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane? It uh, ran for almost two decades, Emil. Uh, there are 137 issues and two annuals. Yeah, where have you been, buddy? <laughs> uh, now, now, Lois remembers that she, can, uh, that she has to keep her uh, wedding to Superman a secret. You can help him, can't you, Dr. Faulkner? And Dr. Faulkner says, We haven't examined him yet, but I'd say he needs some sort of containment suit. Superman's Kryptonian robot Keelix hovers into the scene. Danger, danger. And things around the laboratory are getting real zappy all of a sudden. A power surge. I'd wager it's because... There's a bright light and a big flash sound. Lois is shielding her eyes, but she peeks enough to see... Superman. Yeah, and there he is, crouched and colored all in light blue. Yellow energy is crackling off of him. Superman, your skin, it's turned blue. How? And uh, should a potential partner or a spouse get a blood test or see a doctor hypothetically? You know, just saying. Yeah, maybe one now and one six months later. <laughs> you know, I'm just asking in general. Yeah. <laughs> Please, it's all I can do to hold myself together. Can't do it much longer. We have a contained chamber prepared for you, Superman, right through the door. 
Superman zips right into it without even opening the door. Yeah, he's sort of past that now. Kelex says, sensors indicate Kal-El's condition is critical and eroding. Analysis confirms that he will cease to exist with the hour. What what do these human scientists do again? I don't know. I guess polish Kulex, really. That's all there is to do. That's all you need to do, it looks like. <laughs> Faulkner says, that's not enough time! We can't give up. Get cracking, doctor. Uh, it must be serious, because Professor Hamilton has lowered his science goggles, so Ooh. serious science is about to take, uh, take over. <laughs> Lois watches Superman through a small window in the door of his containment unit. Yeah, we've all read. I, I hate to assume, but we've all read Watchmen, right? Yeah. It's basic, basically that. It's that scene, yeah. Lois says, Superman? And then thinks to herself, no use. Clark doesn't even know I'm here. A few days ago, he could hear a pin drop in Brazil. Now he can't hear me. He's using every bit of concentration he has, fighting to stay alive. But he couldn't spend a little bit of his concentration to know, notice uh, Lois's new hairdo? Yeah, if he, if he knew what it would cost, then uh, he would pay attention. Probably. Uh, Professor Hamilton, Dr. Faulkner, and Kelex uh, have a discussion about this frantic situation. We haven't the time to construct the microcircuitry we need for the containment suit. Unless... You shut up and do it instead of talking about how you can't? Maybe that would mean something? <laughs> that might speed things up. Yeah. Unless we get some alien, er, that is, Kryptonian technology. I comprehend your meaning. I shall de deactivate myself now. And Kelex falls into Professor Hamilton's arms, completely inert. It's a start, but I fear it still won't be enough. Exactly! We need a fabric with special properties that... From off-panel, a familiar female voice intones... May I offer an option? Good golly! The Contessa, dressed in a red coat with the hood up, walks into the lab. And she's holding a roll of blue cloth, uh, tugging at the loose end. As always, we at LexCorp are on the cutting edge of new scientific technologies. This new advanced polymer fabric is no exception. We have monitored Superman's condition and are convinced this will help him. It also it wipes clean with just soap and water. You know, you act now and LexCorp will double your order. <laughs> I, I would jump on that phone right now. The, yeah. Kryptoni the Kryptonian sham wows. <laughs> right stuff. The Contessa! I don't know if we should involve you in this! LexCorp is bad news. We'll make our own fabric. Yeah, and it's going to be more glamorous and fashionable than anything you could make. Mm-hmm. I do not understand your hostility, Professor. Lex Luthor burnt all of us. Some suspect you're even married to the snake. Too bad there aren't any like public records of these things you could check for that, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. Maybe one of these days. One day. <laughs> What's your opinion, Lois? Do we do business with these vipers? Lois enters the room looking really somber and says, How much longer can Superman survive without the fabric? 30 minutes! We can't possibly develop our own in that time! Especially not with her watching Small Wonder on another screen. That's, right? the, that's the whole 30 minutes right there. I mean, geez. I get lost in that show. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's over when it's a... Uh, Hamilton goes, Blast! She's forcing our hand! Incidentally, Professor Hamilton's hand is robotic. He lost an arm during the full Metropolis storyline that ran in the summer of 1994. The Contessa leaves the fabric on a table and walks on out of Star Labs. 
I shall leave you to debate your options. If you wish, use the fabric. If not, the consequences are yours to live with. Au revoir. So the three of them, they actually debate the options they have here. Uh, Hamilton goes, Lex Luthor is no friend of mine and anyone else in this city. A few years ago, my mother was dying and Luther's medicine kept her alive. But there were strings. He used that medicine to blackmail me into a relationship with him. And he also caused the disease her mother had. But uh, now there was also the countless lives he's destroyed through callous business and real estate deals. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure the very worst was when he made uh, Lois Lane give him the kiss he left. I know. Right? That was the worst thing he could have ever done. Ever, ever done. That's the way it is with Luther. He only gives when he gets something in return. I don't know what he gains by helping Superman, but we can't turn our backs on the offer. I say we use the fabric. And that untrained opinion is good enough for these highly trained scientists, so we're good. Uh, Professor Hamilton is already digging into Keelix's uh, cybernetic guts. Let's get cracking! This amazing circuitry is just what we need. Can this possibly work, Professor? Only time will tell, Lois. Time will tell. Uh, it's also going to be about how well trained you are, Professor. That's also going to be a big factor here, but we'll find out. We'll see what happens. Uh, in the Metropolis Harbor, a lobster trapper is not having any luck. Blast! Half my lobster traps are missing again. What's going on here? Suddenly, the big blue horn-faced monster known as Scorn all of a sudden lurches onto the boat. Of course, getting water everywhere... I'm gonna, gonna, holy Moses, what are you? Scorn speaks, but the dialogue in these bra- is in those brackets that comics use to show it's being translated for our benefit. Yeah, which means that this lobster trapper cannot understand him. Scorn says, don't be afraid, human. I mean you no harm. Meanwhile, this guy's having a heart attack. It's too late. He's dying. Life's abandoning him, and it's all my fault. Is that my curse? That death and destruction touch everyone I meet. Very likely. <laughs> uh, now, back at Star Labs, a, a new blue and white one-piece costume has been fabricated and placed into a display case. Yeah, superheroes never keep their costumes in closets, always in display cases. I think Green Arrow might use a closet. That's it, though, he right? Might. The only one. Uh, <laughs> when they finish tinkering with the suit, Superman knows enough to rush out of his containment room and right into his new duds. Good golly, he's not even waiting for us to leave. Everybody out. Are you sure this will work? What do, you, what do you want, a money-back guarantee? I mean, how, she asked that, like, this is the third or fourth time. You know, we're doing yeah, the best we can, okay? <laughs> and, and Lois, has time told yet? <laughs> we got to wait for time. We're waiting for time to tell. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I'm sure of is that if it doesn't work, Superman will be lost to us forever. There's a brilliant flash of yellow light causing everyone to shield their eyes. Then the power goes out completely. The scientists and Lois Lane rush back into the laboratory to see what's happened. And Superman is gone. <gasps> Don't worry, though. He's merely turned into a brilliant star illuminating the skies above Metropolis. So that's, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, he checks the waters around Metropolis as a lightning bolt, looking for where he smacked Scorn to earlier that day, but no dice. I'm alive. It was close, but I'm alive. No time to dwell on the fact, not while the monster is loose. He should be here, but there's no trace of him. A bit of the lobster trapper's boat is visible in the foreground, which is kind of a wink to the reader. I like that little bit of a yeah. in-panel storytelling. I like to see it. 
Uh, Superman flies into the air and does a really awkward pose, giving us a better look at his new costume. It's essentially the same as on the cover, though now we can see more circuitry on the surface of the suit. He thinks to himself, amazing, Professor Hamilton and Dr. Faulkner did an incredible job. This containment suit allows me to stay in phase with this plane of existence while retaining these new powers. And it goes with Clark's new eye color, which is like all white now, so that's cool. It really, really matches well. (laughs) He continues to think, finally, I can control my powers. And if I phase myself completely into this plane, I become completely human. And Superman does exactly that and becomes a bare-naked Clark Kent, falling rapidly to the ground. Yes, he thinks to himself, Oops! Forgot that I left my clothes behind when I changed. This would be an embarrassing way to go out. Better phase back to Superman. And with a fasasash, Superman is rocketing towards Metropolis now, leaving a streak of light as he goes. Think continues to think, Maybe the creature went back to the city. Better check it out. As Superman flies through Metropolis, he causes some electrical chaos. People's radios go all static, lights flicker on and off. Standing at the large windows of the LexCorp building, Lex Luthor and the Contessa notice a streak of lightning pass by. The trail of light-headed vest, it would indicate... Indeed it does, my dear. Well done, Erica, my love. Very well done. Superman flies all the way out to Smallville in the blink of an eye. No doubt about it, I'm faster than ever. He drops in on his parents, who are doing very mundane things. Uh, Martha's sewing something, Jonathan's reading the paper. Martha says, better get this done so I can watch the basketball game. Yeah, she never misses the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> her, husband, her husband says, you must be Kansas State's biggest fan, Martha. Sorry, but you might miss tip-off. Superman walks into the room, bathing it in a blue glow. Well... What do you think of the new, improved Superman? Clark, you told us you'd been going through some changes the last time you called, but this... Yeah, she just thought he was going to divorce Lois already. That's what I would have (laughs) thought. Careful, son. You'll blow every fuse in the house. All two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sweat it, Pa. I have enough control to prevent that from happening now. I like the look, Clark, but there's something missing. The cape? No, silly. The symbol. You simply must have an S. Otherwise, people might mistake him for Geoforce. Do it all the time. (laughs) That's why I stopped by. Since you designed the first one, I wanted you to see the next generation. So Superman draws the new zigzag S shield into his chest with his finger, essentially showing up his own mother when you think of it. Like kind know, of a jerk move, right? Here, here, here's yeah. your old crappy one is out, mine is <laughs> in. You know. <laughs> now I'm ready for the next century. Uh, they do away with the rounded corners in the year 2000. Apparently, yeah, it's yeah. all zigzags. All zigzags. That's more like it. I don't understand all these newfangled powers of yours. Don't worry, neither do the writers. <laughs> but you might be even stronger than before. And then Superman takes off out of his parents' window like a streak of lightning. Could be, Pa. I'll have to spend plenty of time learning the ropes because now there's an all-new Superman in town. And in a couple of months, there's going to be two of him. Shh, don't give it away. Oh, that's later, right. Uh, <laughs> at Metropolis General Hospital, the staff has become quite alarmed. Yeah, you see, Scorn just walked into the emergency room holding the body of that lobster trapper in his arms. This man needs your care. 
Save him. And old doctor goes, it's, it's the monster. Clear out. What's wrong with you people? Take him. Scorn tosses the trapper into the arms of another doctor who has a mustache. I think this man is suffering from a heart attack. Get him to treatment room two. And the guy I'm holding is having a heart attack, too. But no! <laughs> having dispersed with his charge, Scorn takes off running down an alley. Hey, where did that behemoth go? Uh, don't just be happy he's gone. I know, really. Right? Like, what is that? <laughs> did he need him to sign papers? Uh, does, 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 does he put this on insurance? Back here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Scorn, Scorn hides behind some trash cans and leans up against the wall. Fuh. These humans would kill me if they had the chance. I must find a way to communicate. He takes out a ragged scrap of newspaper with a picture of Clark Kent on it. That face. Something. Something about it. Some kind of connection. I wonder. Well, don't wonder too long, buddy. There are laws against stalking. Really? Stalking. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time with uh, Mr. No, Kent either. Uh -huh. Then the caps at the bottom reads next. Metallo. And that concludes this issue. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I did read this back in the long ago. I don't think I've read it since, Chris. Uh, <laughs> quite possibly, I just not because I like didn't like it. Just never got sure. back never around got to, to it. it. Yeah. Uh, I had a good time, and I got to say, from what I could tell, uh, you know, neither you or I are new readers, but I dare say you could. This could be your first Superman comic, and you should be able to follow along pretty well. Uh, sure, because it even explains like that he used to have these powers. And now he's going, you know what I mean? Like, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it treats it as if you've never heard of Superman before. And sure. uh, you don't see that in comics anymore. But uh, No. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was just something I just thought about the form of it. I was just like, this really is soup to nuts, you know? Like, you really do get, even though it's picking up from a thread, you know, it's it's a full comic. It's a full story. So, yeah. good job. Sure. Thank you very much, Lord Andy. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up about the creators and tell you about some other Amazing transformations in Superman's history.
Welcome back. We just explained Superman's yeah. electrical transformation, and uh, now we're going to learn a little bit more about the people behind it. Back to Dan Jurgens. We're going to continue his timeline here. In 1996, Jurgens and Italian artist Claudio Castellini worked on the highly publicized crossover Marvel vs. DC. Following the year in 1997, Dan developed the Tangent Comics imprint, Elseworlds annual gimmick. It's, uh, <laughs> it was everything. a thing that uh, came back a couple times. Uh, in January 1996, Jurgens was the writer and penciler over across the street at Marvel for uh, the sensational Spider-Man. This was meant to be the springboard for a new Spider-Man, played by, of course, Ben Riley. Jurgens pushed strongly for the restoration of Peter Parker, but editor editor in chief Bob Harris demanded that the story be deferred until after the X Men Marvel Universe onslaught crossover. So Jurgens split after seven issues, including a number zero issue that launched the title. But uh, we know that Parker eventually came back anyway. Yeah, if he just hung out, that whatever he would have been fine. Uh, Jurgens wrote and penciled Teen Titans Volume Two for its entire two-year, twenty-four issue run, October nineteen ninety-six to September nineteen ninety-eight cover dates. George Perez, co-creator of the new Teen Titans, served as inker for the series' first fifteen issues. After ten years working on the Superman character, Jurgens ended his run as writer with Superman Volume Two, Number One Fifty, November nineteen ninety-nine cover date. Also in 99, Jurgens was writer and the layout artist for the tabloid-sized graphic novel Superman Fantastic Four, with finished art by his former Adventures of Superman inker Art Thibair. Thibair? Thibair? Uh, One of those. Jurgens worked with uh, Marvel Comics as writer on Thor Volume 2, with penciling by John Romita Jr. as writer and as writer-artist on Captain America Volume 3. 
1995, he was writer-penciler on Solar, number 46 from Valiant Comics, with inker Dick Giordano, and Dan stuck around there for a while. Penciler John, John, sorry, penciler Tom Grindberg joined for issues 51 through 54 after Jurger to relinquish penciler duties in issue 50. Uh, beginning in 99, Jurgens was writer of the Tomb Raider, the series comic book Licensed to Top Cow Productions through Image Comics uh, The debut issue of Tomb Raider was the number one selling comic book of that year He was the writer of the series until issue number 21 In the year 2000, Dan was the writer and provided layouts for the four-issue prestige miniseries Titans slash Lee Legion of Superheroes, colon, Universe Ablaze, with finishes provided by Phil Jimenez. Uh, Jurgens wrote Aquaman Volume 3 from issue 63, January 2000, until its cancellation with issue number 75, January 2001 cover. In November 2002, he wrote and penciled the four-issue weekly miniseries, Superman Day of Doom, January 2003 cover date, and this marked the 10-year anniversary of the Death of Superman event from 1992. In 2005, Jurgens moved into the world of book publishing to write and illustrate a book called You Can Draw Marvel Characters for Dorling Kindersley Publishing. Dan would return to DC Comics, providing layouts for the lead story in Infinite Crisis Secret Files 2006 special that had an April 2006 cover date. And he also provided art for the weekly series 52 and to the six-issue limited series Crisis Aftermath, The Battle for Bloodhaven, mm-hmm. written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Jurgens would collaborate with writer-creator Marv Wolfman on the Nightwing series for issues 125 through 128. On uh, Metamorpho, colon, year one, Jurgens was the writer and penciler for the first two issues. Uh, Mike Norton would draw issues three through six. Uh, Jurgens was writer and artist for the mystery, I'm sorry, history of the multiverse backup stories in the weekly Countdown series, which appeared in issues 49 through 38 of that title. At the Los Angeles Comic-Con in March 2007, DC announced a new ongoing Booster Gold series written by Jeff Johns, penciled by Jurgens, and inked by Norm Ratmond to begin short, shortly after the end of 52. And we read one of those books a long, long time ago. We did. Uh, it did, although the, it did launch, obviously, since we also read one of them, but uh, <laughs> though these three names wouldn't be involved with this uh, volume indefinitely. He was the writer of Tangent, colon, Superman's Reign, limited series in 2008, revisiting the Tangent Comics characters, and Dan wrote and illustrated an issue of The Brave and the Bold, Volume 2, Number 23, July 2009, cover date, which featured Booster Gold and Magog. He was part of the DC Comics' New 52 relaunch in 2011, becoming the writer of the new Justice League International series with artist Aaron Lopresti. He was the artist of the New Green Arrow series with writer J.T. Krull and inker George Perez initially. And uh, he became co-writer of Green Arrow with Keith Giffen on issues three through six. Uh, George Perez had long left by then. Mm-hmm. He returned to Superman, drawing and co-writing with Keith Giffen. Their first issue was number seven, May 2012, cover date. During 2012 to 2013, Jurgens was writer and artist of Fury of the Firestorms, colon, The Nuclear Men, from issues 13 to 20, then it was canceled. In 2014, he and Giffen, together with Jeff Lemire and Brian Azzarello, co-wrote the weekly series The New 52, colon, Future's End. And after that, he became the writer for Batman Beyond, starting with issue one in whatever volume that was, uh, <laughs> in June 2015, and he is still writing it today. 
Mm -hmm. Just a, a volume or two. I removed. think it's a volume or two later, but he is writing still. Yeah. <laughs> he is still there. <laughs> now, he was the writer of uh, the two-issue miniseries Convergence, colon, Superman in 2015, and was the writer of for uh, Superman, Lois, and Clark, which grew out of that event, and that ran from 2015 to 2016. As part of the DC Rebirth relaunch in 2016, Jurgens would write action comics until the arrival of Brian Michael Bendis in, the, in May of 2018. Personal life, Dan Jurgens is married with two children. Let's hop across the table and close up with Ron Friends. Now, Friends has a history of working on comic book series in which the characters were not in their original costumes or identities. We mentioned earlier, I'm sorry, Spider-Man was wearing his black costume. Thor took on a new secret identity and look. He was the bearded Eric Masterson. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, as we just found out, Superman changed costumes and powers. Uh, he would draw part of the Superman Red, Superman Blue one-shot, that was February 1998 cover date, which launched the storyline of the same name which ran through the various Superman titles at the time. He'd return to Marvel with the Spider-Man colon Hobgoblin Lives Limited series in 1997, which was written by Roger Stern. Uh, DeFalco and Friends reunited and introduced Spider-Girl in What If... Dot, 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 question mark, volume 2, number 105. That's February 1998. And that would kick off the MC2 universe mm -hmm. uh, when Spider-Girl would become an ongoing series, October 1998 cover date, and ran until 100 which is uh, amazing. It's out of September. Yeah. It's like a th right? triple digits. What the, you know. And it was almost canceled like 99 times. So it, it, was, a, it's a, it was a real Cinderella story. Uh, issue 100 came with a September 2006 cover date. Uh, from that came The Amazing Spider-Girl. Uh, it was launched the following December. I think there were spectacular Spider-Girl, sensational Spider-Girls. Yeah. They, they, they tried it a few times. They didn't have the longevity of the original one, but, you know, no. I, I believe she's still out there in the comics now, so who knows? There might be six or seven There's of them. There's a few of them, I believe, yeah. <laughs> uh, in that same issue of What If introduced A Next, an alternate Avengers team, and as Chris said, as well as the MC2 universe, and that's a whole new timeline spinning out of the events of that one issue. Uh, Anex had their own series, 12 issues, uh, cover dated October 1988 to September 1999. Ron Friends is a contributing editor of Charlton Spotlight magazine. This is a sporadically published magazine dedicated to the history of Charlton Comics. The latest issue, number nine, came out in 2015. Uh, I, we don't mean to say it's sporadically like poorly done. It's just, it just it comes out when it does, but it's yeah. packed yeah, with information. Yeah. 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 Uh, on June 4th, 2009, Ron Friends was the recipient of the Nemo Award for Excellence in the Cartoon Arts. So that's good. I'm not sure what he's doing now, but I'm sure, hopefully, it's whatever he wants to do. For sure. Um, and we're going to wrap this up talking about some other amazing transformations of Superman, because there have been a lot, folks, let me tell you. It's, it's, Maybe one or two, right? There have been quite a few times <laughs> when Superman was not feeling quite himself. Now, for this list, we skipped any time a transformation happened to Superboy. Only Superman this time around, because that really... Superboy is an unbelievable number of transformations. Yes. Uh, and, and only pre-crisis. Just so that we put a pin in it somewhere... We, we, we can do post-crisis transformation some other day, and that would include, of course, this one we read today, Superman Blue. For sure. So, uh, just starting to list off, Action Comics, number 243, August 1958, cover date. The story was titled The Lady and the Lion by Otto Binder and Wayne Boring. When Superman refuses a marriage proposal by the alien Cersei, she turns him into a were-lion to remain so until he accepts her offer. 
Turning into a lion doesn't dampen his powers, though, and he's able to perform several hero heroic feats in this form. By the end, he figures out that Cersei, besides being a relative of the Greek goddess Cersei, is from Krypton, and Superman finds the <laughs> antidote to his predicament by checking some libraries in the bottle city of Kandor. Yeah, the, the last surviving Kryptonian, except for everybody else. Except for all the other ones, that's all. Right. <laughs> that has a very iconic cover with, uh, with him with the lion head. It's mm -hmm. pretty great. Now, he had a less hideous transformation in Superman issue 125, uh, November 1958 cover date. Story is called Superman's New Power by Jerry Coleman and Wayne Boring. An exploding alien ship strips Superman of his powers but leaves him with one, the ability to shoot rainbow-colored rays from his fingers which creates a proxy version of himself that has all of Superman's lost powers. Now, Superman actually grows jealous of this fake version of himself, but when it sacrifices itself to save Superman, it restores his powers again, and everything is forgiven. Yeah, by the way, uh, just as a side unrelated thing, uh, LSD was not illegal at the time. <laughs> no, I'm not saying the I'm two sure the things, two are nothing connected. Yeah, nothing yeah. connected. I'm just saying this is an interesting <laughs> little factoid. Uh, a Brainiac causes a transformation in Action Comics number 275, April 1961, cover date. A uh, story titled Menace of the Red Green Kryptonite by Jerry Coleman and Wayne Boring. This is a combo of red and green K whipped up by Brainiac, causes a third eye to grow in the back of Superman's head. Uh, he covers it up for a while with a series of ludicrous hats. Then uses heat vision from all three eyeballs to take Brainiac down. That was one magic heat vision beam there. <laughs> uh, Red Kryptonite is again the cause in, in Action Comics uh, number 296, January 1963 cover date. Story is called The Invasion of the Super Ants, drawn by Al Plastino. This time, giant ants mutated by nuclear waste come from another planet with a dire warning for humanity. And Superman uses Red Kryptonite to grow an ant's head... <laughs> In order to communicate with them. Uh, now, Superman uses a convenient cloud of special red kryptonite to effect this change on purpose. Because usually he has no control over what it does. Red kryptonite is uh, very unpredictable. Yeah, it's, it's a 48-hour change and he doesn't know what it's going to be. A random, yeah. <clears throat> and I believe this is the only time he does this, like, specifically can use it this way, but I could be Oh, wrong. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, two Supermen are better than one in Superman number 162, July 1963, cover date. The Amazing Story of Superman Red and Superman Blue, a full-issue story written by Leo Dorfman and illustrated by Kurt Schaffenberger and Kurt Swan. This is an imaginary tale, meaning it didn't really happen, quote-unquote, although they gave it its own Earth later on. Uh, yep. <laughs> Super Superman uses an intelligence-enhancing ray to unwittingly split into two Supermen, who together fix all the problems on Earth and eliminate Kryptonite. In the end, Superman Red goes with Lois Lane, and Superman Blue goes with La Lana Lang, and everyone is happy for some reason. Uh, we, we alluded to this before. This happens again in Superman Red, Superman Blue, special number one, February 98, cover date by Dan Jurgens and Stuart Immonen. A cyber cyborg Superman and Toy Man work together to split Superman Blue, the one we just read about, into a more cerebral blue and a more punchy red version. Uh, it lasts for a couple of months, and then they merge, and Superman goes back into his old self because of really not well, very well explained reasons. Yeah, something with the Millennium Giants or something. It's, it's weird. Stuff. And that he deserved it, something like that, he said. Like, he earned <laughs> it at the end. It's like, what? What are you talking about? 
and, and, I, and I'm guessing that the uh, the Earth, it's probably Earth 162 that uh, that that's that would make it. So it's usually it usually is the covered uh, the issue, issue yeah. number. Yeah. Now a month later, a whole month later, in Action Comics number 303, August 1963 cover date, we got the Monster from Krypton by Edmund Hamilton and Kurt Swan, and it Superman turned into a dragon. Wow. Uh, a Kryptonian dragon's egg passed through a cloud of red kryptonite on its way toward Earth, and though it doesn't hatch, being in proximity to it turns Superman into said dragon. Supergirl tries to clobber the dragon into paste, but when Clark Dragon scratches I am Superman on the base of a statue, she realizes what happened. <laughs> it's, it's just so obvious. It's like, what the heck? Where did this story come from? <laughs> And I love the fact that an egg an egg comes to Earth. It doesn't even hatch. It's just the catalyst to turn it's just Superman. There, yeah. Like what? A, what? A, why? Why that though? Why not just like a random ray or a meteorite? Oh, why? Anyway, has uh, to be an egg. World's finest number one fifty one, August nineteen sixty five, cover day. The Infinite Evolutions of Batman and Superman by Edmund Hamilton and Carrie Bates, drawn by Kurt Swan, brings us two superhero transformations for the price of one. A Kryptonian evolution race switches on and transforms Superman into a slow-witted, club-wielding caveman, while Batman becomes a genius with a head three times larger than normal. Uh, also, he can levitate now, so that's something cool. Hmm. That's the two cool. go back to normal when they put aside their differences. <laughs> <laughs> that Edmund Hamilton, I mean, we he hear really a lot about like, painting, but Ed, yeah. Edmund Hamid, Hamilton is an unsung weirdo. He, sure. liked, he liked big now, heads, he did. He, he, he wrote a few <laughs> stories where people get giant heads, I don't know why. It, it's true. Now, in uh, The Catwoman's Black Magic by Leo Dorfman and Kurt Schaffenberger, which is a novel-length epic that takes all of Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, issue number 70, November 1966, cover date, Catwoman changes Superman into a cat. Hey. Hmm. Now, actually, if she's going to change people into any animal, it's probably going to be a cat. It, right? it, it is in her name. You know, that's kind it's of a, it's a yeah. 9 out of 10 chance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, Catwoman is able to do this because she acquires the goddess Cersei's wand. She keeps Supercat in a kryptonite cage for a while, but Lois Lane busts him out and everything is fixed. Superman transforms into an invalid in Action Comics number 363, May 1968, cover date. The Leper from Krypton is the story by Leo Dorfman and Ross Andrew. Lex Luthor infects Superman with Virus X, a plague mixed with kryptonite that turns his skin all green and scaly. Bizarro's paying respect to Superman's space coffin that is flying into the heart of a sun called Flamebron, throw white kryptonite into his casket, which cures him of leprosy. Oh, there's white kryptonite, all right. It kills plant life. Sure does. But one day we got uh, to do, do a kryptonite episode one day, I'm telling you. I was just thinking so the same thing. So much craziness there. <laughs> now, Superman gets fat. He gets fat plenty of times, but uh, in this issue, Superman 221, November 1969, the two-ton Superman by uh, Carrie Bates and Kurt Swan, uh, Superman proves allergic to an alien nectar, which makes him swell up temporarily. Uh, you know, this is possibly the only time Superman goes blimp-shaped. Uh, Superboy, on the other hand, becomes corpulent at least a half dozen times. That's probably what I'm thinking of. He That's, always yes, yeah, so blew Superboy up like a balloon. literally turned fat, like, I'd say, half of the times he appeared. <laughs> it was, they just loved making that kid fat. This one, I think this might... This, I think there actually may be a much older story where he gets fat from the 40s, Superman. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's we don't have that here. Uh, the Man of Steel does get all big again, though, but not fat, in Superman 226, May 1970, cover date, When Superman Was King Kong, by Leo Dorfman and Kurt Swan. 
while watching the movie King Kong, the one from 1933, which would have been the only one available at the time. At the time, yeah. Uh, Superman is dosed with red kryptonite. This causes him to grow um, to a massive size and go on a sim- similar lamb rampage through Metropolis. Uh, they must have liked this gimmick because Superman goes Kong size again in Superman number 302, August 1976, cover date. The story was seven foot two and still growing by Elliot S. Magan and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. This time, Lex Luthor causes the initial enlarging, and the Atom saves the day with his miniaturizing technique. We have The Vampire of Steel by Bob Haney and Kurt Schaffenberger from World's Finest, issue 249, March 1978 cover date, in which Superman turns into Vampire. You know, the the title kind of gives that away. It kind of gave it away. (laughs) Uh, Now, while containing some pollution from a Wayne Industries oil rig, Superman is bitten by a marine vampire known as a Trillig, which in turn infects him. My favorite character, the Phantom Stranger, shows up to the, in this one to put everything right. This is a rare time that the Phantom Stranger totally Actually does just, something. just interacts and just just basically fixes everything <laughs> with magic. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> he doesn't just stand there being like, I could yeah, do something. Just being but like, he... oh, you have to learn your lessons, Batman, you know. <laughs> Uh, in World's Finest, number 301, March 1984, cover date, the story Rampage by Dan Mishkin and Gary Cohn, penciled by Pablo Marcos, a villain called Siphon alters Superman's atomic structure, turning him into a rampaging menace. Superman tears up the place by looking for, uh, while looking for Siphon, becoming less and less corporeal by the minute. Uh, towards the end of the issue, he's got the same kind of body as Eternity from Marvel Comics, just like a space scene contained in the outline, the silhouette of his body. Mm-hmm. Now things get a little uncomfortable for Superman in Superman issue 405, March 1985, covered eight, just a little before crisis. Yep. Uh, so he's called The Mystery of the Super Batman by Craig Boldman and Alex Savick. A blast from a, f- a fife belonging to the goat-legged nature god Pan causes Superman to grow small horns on top of his head. It's it's funny. Lana Lang's like her archaeologist grandfather or father or whatever is is showing off this ex- exhibition and and he toots the thing and it goes. But, uh, but, but comes, it's crazy because Pan is a mythological figure. You know what I mean? It's, he's not a historical figure. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like a uh, yeah. It's not like the guy that used to play the fight the for the king or something. It's a it's yeah. a mythological <laughs> being anyway. No, he has these horns, so he covers it for a time by going to the the, the Fortress of Solitude into his museum and taking a Batman cowl mm-hmm. and uh, he uses the bat years to hide the protrusions there's a funny joke that is strewn throughout this issue where he can't strike fear into the hearts of anybody right you know like batman can just by showing up yeah but like he'll show up and he doesn't have the same swagger as batman so nobody's scared of him it just doesn't work he doesn't have the grim (laughs) look you know different jawline and everything might be and and there were plenty of transformations uh, as we alluded to post-crisis of course uh notably you have jla annual number three by len comiskey and jason orfalis uh when the whole jla is turned into gorillas that was part of jl ape the uh annuals uh the yeah. annual series there uh but somehow the fun was lost in those latter issues uh it's almost like the cat had been left out of the bag let out of the bag uh, yeah even going to just a few years ago i mean we had superman doomed and eh. Just nah. it's, it, it doesn't really work. It's it's almost like you know, once once you get the idea that oh Superman's a character that can have wacky transformations, the fun is sort of like stripped from it, you know. Um, but uh, yeah. anyway, I, I, had a, I had a good time with some of those for sure, and uh, mm-hmm. you know I'm glad to say I've read a lot of them too, which is but that's definitely yep. the kind of people we are, and we Chris the kind to of go it's looking true. looking for a comic where Superman shoots 
proxy versions of himself out of his hands. But out of jealousy. I, I think it's jealous of it. Like, what? <laughs> oh, boy, that's good. But anyway, if you think we missed any, or if you want to tell us about how much you love or hate Superman, your memories of Superman Blue, or the stories that followed, you can write to us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. We do have a Patreon, that's at patreon.com slash Chris and Reggie, where uh, you can chip in five bucks. We have three exclusive episodes uh, per month, two mm-hmm. comics talk, where we kind of talk off the cuff about comics in general, and then uh, one Cosmic Treadmill After Dark, which is an, an adults-only Cosmic Treadmill. So yeah, you got to check your ID for that one. Exactly, yeah. but if you pass muster, check it out, patreon.com slash Chris and Reggie. You can follow us on Facebook over at facebook.com slash Cosmic T-Mill History. You can find us on Instagram at Cosmic T-Mill. Same thing on Twitter, at Cosmic T-Mill, and I'm on Twitter at Reggie Reggie. I'm there at Ace Comics. Uh, you can check out our weekly writings and voices and recordings on uh, recent, new, brand new DC Comics over at uh, WeirdScienceDCComics.com. And you're also doing your bi-weekly retro review on... Uh, on Lois. Maybe, maybe, they'll, yeah, maybe there'll be some transformations. Possibly. That's that's one you do get a lot of transformations. Or she I was going to say, it's something. like a 50-50 chance. It's yeah. going to be anyway. She could transform. <laughs> one of them's going to transform. Uh, and uh, you can see Chris's daily writings, uh, which just passed the three-year mark at chrisinfiniteearths.com. <laughs> he uh, was writing about a different uh, DC comic every day of the week, and uh, it could be from any point. But you're going to be doing uh, action comics daily. Uh, yes. Pouring through the Action Comics weekly series for at least the foreseeable future, because that should keep you pretty much busy for until like October, I think it is. Many many months, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and to be honest, I think I think that's a that's a job that needs to be done. It's that's not a that's a series everyone remembers fondly, yeah. but they never talk about. So, uh, check it out, Chris on InfiniteEarth.com. You can also check out the show site over at chrisandreggie.com, where I just updated it just before we started recording here, so the archives are up to date. All yeah, right. Today. So you could go there and you could listen to all of our programmings in the order they're meant to be listened to. So uh, you'll be able to follow all the strands, all the strings, all the storylines, and uh, as long as we uh, explain things properly, not miss a thing. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. <laughs> and while you're there, if you're feeling chilly up top, Click the banner to 80stees.com that we're affiliated with them. And if you like what you see, you buy a couple of shirts, you'll do us a favor, you'll do themselves a favor, and you will stay warm through this uh, bitter polar vortex sweeping through the uh, Northeast right now. So check it out. Click that banner. Absolutely, and uh, big thanks to uh, Lord Andy again for the su- suggestion here. Uh, this is one of those books that I think we've had on the list oh, for yeah. a little while. Oh, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, but it, it's a, it, it was a fun one, and it uh, led to uh, some fun discussion. So thanks very much for the uh, suggestion, Andy. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it has been there a long time, but we like to, you know, go back and forth we have between publishers, or we wouldn't do too many sure. Superman in a row. So th- these are the kind of things sometimes make we – ha- we actually have, like, three or four other Superman titles we have to do, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> On there, there's a lot. But <laughs> we will get to all of them someday, Absolutely. provided we remain in good health and uh, – there is still a finite number of comics. So uh, I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? No, nah, it'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill energistically. See ya. Orange, yellow, plastic, swimming pool. Splashing in the yard. Life is easy. Life is cool.
took my eye off the ball. 